Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. If you have your Bible or your device, whichever it may be this morning, I said, I'm trying to learn to preach from an iPad, and my one granddaughter says to me, Pap, you don't have to do this. You can do like this. <laughs> Except when I do like this, everything goes away, and I can't find anything. But I'm going to begin this morning. I felt like uh, the Lord began to drop in my spirit early this morning uh, where I needed to go. And, of course, this is the week of Easter, and there's so many events that take place. But I was thinking today is Palm Sunday. I'm not necessarily going to preach about Palm Sunday, but I want to preach about some of the events that occurred through the week that would be this coming week. How many know uh, on Palm Sunday they, the people begin to throw palm branches and begin to cry, Hosanna. Hallelujah. They begin to say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. One week later, one week later, the people are saying, people who throw palm branches are saying, Crucify him. How many know the crowd is fickle? And one minute they love you, the next minute they hate you. But if you're after popularity, you may not want to be in ministry sometimes. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm after something that I think, uh, I believe will bless you this morning. But if you have your device or your Bible, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. And I'm going to begin to read in verse number 23. And this is the scripture that we use a lot of times to talk about communion. And I think there's a communion service coming up next week. But I think this ought to help you a little bit. Uh, let me just begin reading and we'll, we'll develop this as we go. Verse 23 said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night, say that with me, the same night, say the same night in which he was betrayed. Also, my spot there. Betrayed. Took bread. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the, is the New Testament. In my blood, this do you as often as you eat, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and say this with me, and so let him eat. Say that with me again. So, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself. Watch this. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But I want to stop with this and... And just begin to develop this thought a little bit. You know, I told you the other night, those of you that have been in the meetings already, I grew up in classical Pentecost under what I call terrorist preachers. They're the kind of guys that would scare you every time you walk through the door and, you know, you were going to bust hell wide open or you were going to hell in a handbasket. Somebody posted on my Facebook the other day a picture that says, do I really have to go in a handbasket? I don't know who this handbasket is. <laughs> but, I mean, we were always going to hell in a handbasket. And it was, I can remember the times that we would have communion, Pastor Allen, in our church. Even as a leader in the church, I would try to miss the service. 
Now, usually our, our communion service included foot washing, and that wasn't the reason I was, you know, going to, you know, miss the service. But by the time they got done scaring me with this verse, that if you eat this bread, you got to hack when you say that because it's more scary. And you drink of the blood of the Lord unworthily. You're going to eat and drink damnation to your soul. You say, you do that pretty good, Brother Howes. That's because I was one of them guys at one time. Hallelujah. I used to be a fire breather too. Do I got a revelation of the new covenant? Come on, somebody. Amen. And I would stay away from that because I'm thinking to myself, listen, they would preach, man, if you've got sin in your life and you come and you take this cracker and you drink this cup of the Lord and you do it in an earthworthy manner, you're going to bust hell wide open. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know anything particular that I'm doing that's sin, but it ain't worth the risk to me for a shot of grape juice and a cracker. <laughs> I just didn't think it was worth the risk here. You know, it's not worth the gamble. <laughs> Help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> and I don't want to be sacrilegious, but I'm just after something here because what we've done with communion is we've made it a message to disqualify people from coming to the table. And when I, the Lord began to open this text to me, he said to me from the book of St. John, he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, there is no life in you. And I thought, now wait a minute, if I've got to be perfect in order to take of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's partaking of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that makes me worthy, then that's kind of an oxymoron. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm disqualifying people from the very thing that ought to produce the change in them. Because when I begin to eat, see, one of the things that the Scripture takes great pain to point out is that the Bible said that the same night in which Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread. I could see him look across the table. What we don't realize is that not only Judas will betray him before the night is over, but everybody at the table is going to leave him except for John. Everybody at this table, this whole apostolic team, is going to leave him before the night is over, and except for John, who will follow him all the way to the cross. So I could see him look across the table knowing that Judas is going to betray him. This helps me. I feel the Holy Ghost. And he looks across the table at Peter, who he knows is going to deny him before the rooster crows. And I could see him looking straight at me. I said, look at me, son. Listen, to me. look at me. This is my body. It was broken for you. Not just to those who are going to stay with him, but to his betrayer. Because, see, I'm going to tell you probably from this pulpit to the door, everybody in this room has failed the Lord at some time or the other. And if our basis upon which we are received or accepted is based on how good I am or how perfect I am, then I'm probably not going to make it very far. But when, I, my, my, but when my, the, the basis upon which I'm received is not based on what I've done, but it's based on the fact that his body was broken for me to give to me the forgiveness of sin. And I begin to feed on that and I begin to eat his flesh and drink his blood. What I begin to do is examine myself from a different viewpoint and realize it's what he did that made me worthy. Help me, Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. It's what he did that made me worthy to be able to receive it. So touch somebody beside you say, you're not disqualified. I don't care how messed up you are this morning. 
You know, let me demonstrate something I have not done for a while. Would you would you help me, Pastor, this morning? Would you come up on here and help me? And I need two other guys that would volunteer right here close. Would you, somebody here on the front seat, help me? Would you help me? Would, would you help me? The three, come on right up here. Just we got come up here on the platform where they can see you. You know, Passover is really Jesus was our fulfillment of our Passover. He was the Lamb. How many know He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? He takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't cover it. He takes it away. But see, if the old covenant patterns and pictures to me help me understand how this really works. Because, uh, and I'm going to do this pretty good this morning. I usually try, you know what, I think I'll, I'll keep them off balance a little bit. I'm going to make you the high priest this morning because everybody thinks Alan ought to be the high priest and I like to keep people off balance. And, and, and let me tell you, what's your name? Real tell me your name again. Jim. Jim, come here a minute, Jim. I'm going to make Jan, Jim the lamb. Say, oh, say, 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 bah. Bah. You want me to make him cluck like a chicken? No. Yes. And I'm going to make Alan the sinner just so I can keep you all off balance here. Hallelujah. Now, Alan needs to get to God. Yes. <laughs> See there, <laughs> Alan needs to get to God, and really that's the truth. See, that's the reason I'm really doing it with Alan is to show you that every one of us, from the pulpit to the door, outside of the work of Jesus, we are absolutely helpless and lost and undone. Absolutely. When I think of the goodness of God and what He's done for me, it jerks a phrase up out of me. When I think about, come on, the power of the blood of Jesus and the power of forgiveness and the power of how what can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. But the old covenant pattern is that the, the, the sinner would have to come to the high priest and he would have to bring a lamb. So this is your lamb, Jim is your lamb. Now, now, now I'm glad this morning that we don't have to bring a woolly lamb to church and Alan and I are really happy we don't have to kill a couple hundred of them this morning right. before we leave here. That's true. But Alan would have to bring a lamb that was without spot, without blemish. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a spot. He would oh, see that. See that's appropriate. We, we picked the right guy. They're saying here, and he would, he would have to bring this lamb to the high priest. So he brings the lamb to the high priest, and and then he would lay your hand on the head of this lamb, and you would confess your sin and name them one by one. <laughs> we don't have all day. We don't have all day. <laughs> <laughs> and he would, because what he's doing is he's transferring, he's laying on him That's right. the, the sin of us all. Exactly. He's becoming the sacrifice. He's, he's, he's transferring everything, hallelujah, everything in Alan's past, everything in Alan's life, every failure, every, every moment right. of failure, he's laying on him right. the iniquity of us all. Right. And then he hands this uh, lamb to the high priest and then step back. Uh, and then the high priest will examine the lamb. Go ahead and examine this lamb. He would examine him. Careful. <laughs> and he would have to declare whether or not this lamb is a spotless lamb or not. Spotless. He's a spotless lamb. Yeah. Now, see, we, we don't understand. Even when Pilate examines Jesus, he washes his hands. And he says, I, I find no fault in him. This is innocent blood. Not only did Pilate do it, but Judas, who was a devil, 
Now you talk about, man, I, I feel a preacher sneaking up on me Go this ahead. morning. The Bible said Judas, who was a devil, even the devil had to testify on behalf of Jesus when he came back to the temple and he threw the 30 pieces of silver on the ground and he said to the high priest, I have betrayed innocent blood. Oh and the high priest said, what is that to you? You see to it. What I want you to see, though, was when the high priest, go ahead and turn there again. Step the high priest examined the lamb. What I want you to see that we never see is that the sinner is never examined. It's the lamb that's examined. But here's what we do in the American church. We examine the sinner. Well, that's good. That's good. Rather than examine the lamb, come on, somebody. I'm talking about an examination that's good right there. that doesn't make you feel like you're rejected, but an examination to say, this is my body. It was broken for you, so you are qualified to come to the table. I know you're going to fail me. I know you're going to mess up. I, I know before the night is over, before the rooster crows up, you're going to mess up. But I need you to know, this is my body. This blood was shed for you. We examine the sinner. But I'm telling you, I want to say, behold the Lamb. Start preaching Jesus. If you're preaching Alan, or you're preaching your old man, or you're preaching your sin, you're preaching the wrong man. I, I came to preach Christ and Him crucified. I feel like the Apostle Paul. I profess to know nothing among you but Christ and Him crucified. Amen. Give these guys a hand. Hallelujah. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat. See, the whole deal is so you can eat, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You don't have any life. I think it's incredible. It's amazing to me even that Jesus, you know, had 12 disciples, and the Bible said one of them was the devil. And you know what's crazy about it? The one of them was a thief. And Jesus put him in charge of the treasury. That would be on CNN tomorrow. You know what that says to me? Let me just let me just chase this rabbit a little bit. That tells me Jesus wasn't broke. Amen. See, people think Jesus was poor. But I believe Jesus was very wealthy. As a matter of fact, uh, the reason I believe that is because when he was born, kings came from the east that were looking for him for several years. The Magi came, and we, we think that three kings came with a knapsack. Because we have three little boys that played the wise men in the play with a towel on their head because that's all the boys we can gather up for the play and we got them with a the little bag and then they're going to play their drum for him or rump pum pum because they're broke and we get this mindset but see when a king came to visit a king that was greater than him and especially if he journeyed for any amount of time he didn't bring him a tip when the queen of sheba came to see solomon and his wisdom get this she brought him a 52 million eight hundred thousand dollar offering just in gold in that economy that ain't counting the, 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 the spices and the camels and the horses so if you think a whole group of a train of kings came to see Jesus I promise you they left him enough wealth to hide his family in Egypt for several years to live 33 and a half years with 12 men on staff y'all don't want to help me preach and when he died, his coat was so valuable they cast lots for it. He had a, a treasurer that was a thief and nobody was missing the money. That tells me Jesus was doing okay. Oh, come on, somebody. He was a king of glory. That just a little added thing for you.
See, I think one of the things we've done is let people adjust how we think about prosperity and blessing. Somebody said, are you a prosperity preacher? Well, I'm certainly not a poverty one. I've been poor. I don't like it. Hallelujah. And uh, I, I don't believe God wants us to be poor. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we want to, it's, it's amazing. I probably ought to get off this soap box. But if a preacher prospers, we think he's a crook. We'll have him on CNN. But you let a stand-up comedian who plays the crowds of 30,000 a night who vomits death and hell on you. And they'll show his crib and his gold faucets and his cars and everything else. And they'll think he's a hero. And then the preacher that does the same thing, they'll put him on CNN talk about what a thief he is. We need to change our mind. They'll talk about, well, they only want your money down to that church. I ain't going down to that church because all they want is your money. Let me tell you something. When you go to Walmart, let me just clue you in. All they want is your money. But you never quit going there. You walk right up to the blue light special and lay every dollar you got up on that counter and ain't nobody complaining about that. I know I'm preaching all right. Hallelujah. I want to come back and I want to show you something else. I want to show you this this whole idea over here in the book of uh, St. John, chapter number 13. This is, the again, the lead up to this, uh, uh, up to uh, the, the crucifixion. And this is the night before his decease. He's at the table and uh, he's getting ready to wash the disciples' feet. And verse 21 is where I'm going to start. But let me just, before I, before I get to this verse, let me just tell you, you know, the Holy Spirit said to me back a few years ago, we have a series that's titled, A Table in the Presence of My Enemies. And the Holy Spirit simply said to me, he said, son, everything that happened, happened as started with an eating disorder. I said, what are you saying, Lord? He said, in Eden's misty garden, I said to Adam and Eve, don't eat that. And here's how the Holy Spirit began to speak to him. He said, you ate your way into this problem. You need your way out of it. And I said, Lord, if you can eat your way out of it, I was born for this. I have an anointing for this. I can work a buffet. My friend I talked about the other night, you know, that's a little uh, Italian guy. He looks like that Buddha God at the Chinese restaurant. He walks in there and they want to give him free meals. You have body of God. Yeah. Two hours later they say, you leave now, you be here four hours. Take your fat friend, you go. You don't come back here no more. <laughs> we, <die. laughs> we know self-fried rice. We dry cleaner up in here. <laughs> you go now. <laughs> I hope I didn't offend anybody with that. Hallelujah. <laughs> But I'm just trying to show you, man, the kingdom of God is full of eating and drinking. And you know what's amazing to me is after man does exactly what God said, don't eat that. See, what you feed on is what determines what your life is going to be like. What are you feeding on? Come on, somebody. That's why it's important to get in the house of God and get a steady diet of lamb. Come on, somebody. When they got ready, see the Passover, when it began, the very institution of the beginning of Exodus chapter 12, God said, I'm going to deliver the children of Israel out of the bondage of 400 years of slavery with 400 years of back pay. And I'm going to bring them into a land that I promised their father Abraham 400 years ago. And Moses said, God, what's the strategy? He said, tell them to get a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost of the house, but don't just put the blood on the doorpost. Take the lamb inside the house in the night and eat that dude roast with fire because you can eat your way out of the problem. And the moment they started to eat lamb, come on, touch somebody say, eat more lamb. Come on, tell somebody else nothing but mutton. 
And the moment you get enough lamb in your belly, at midnight, at midnight, the darkest hour, something rose up them at midnight and said, I got too much lamb in my belly. I can't live in this bondage anymore. And they got up and put their shoes in their feet and their staff in their hand and they started to leave Egypt. You say, what are you saying, Brother House? I'm trying to get you to belly up to the table and get you a belly full of lamb. And the moment you do, you get up and say, I was born not to be a slave. I was born to live in the promise. And I'm going to eat my way out of the problem. I got too much lamb in my belly. And I'm going to eat my way up out of the bondage. I can't live in this bondage. I don't care if it's substance abuse bondage. I don't care if it's religious bondage. I don't care what bondage it's in. Here's the deal. Eat more lamb. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. David got a hold of this in Psalm 23 when his enemies were pursuing him. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my pastor. I will lack for nothing. I shall not want. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, he restores my soul. Let me just tell you that green is the color of life. It's also the color of covenant. You say, how do you connect that? Revelation, the fourth chapter said, I saw a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. If you have any understanding of stones, uh, an emerald is a green stone and a rainbow is a symbol of a covenant. He said, he makes me lie down when I start to feed on new covenant truth. I start to realize uh, he will restore my soul. Uh, he leads me in the valley of the shadow of death and I will fear no evil. He prepares, watch this, a table before me right in the presence of my enemy he said brother house you don't know what's going on in my life hallelujah then there's something to eat you need to feed on something right in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death and see that's not a funeral song uh, scripture that's a scripture that tells you if you get enough to eat right in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death you get up out of that and walk through he leads me not down there to die he leads me through somebody say through you're going through tonight you're going through today he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death and i will fear no evil he anoints my head with oil until my cup runs completely over hallelujah surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever hallelujah see the valley of the shadow in the Old Testament they were in the shadow of a death but on Calvary's tree Jesus was the death that that was the shadow of but here we are in, in the book of St. John and again he's about to give them communion it's the night before his decease last night on the planet the last night he's going to spend with his 12 disciples they say what are we going to do Lord he said let's eat and they got an upper room and they got ready to eat see because the kingdom of God that's what I love it man that's why the kingdom of God is full of eating and drinking because it's a celebration I'm afraid of the diet the American churches. I'm afraid we've been feeding people. I'm afraid we have been people feeding people from the wrong diet. Because if you freed from an old covenant, it will disqualify you. It will tell you what's wrong with you. I was saying to Alan before we come on the platform, even concerning prophetic ministry, that the Lord began to speak to me about the difference between old covenant prophets and new covenant prophets. Because Jesus was about, he came into the city, and because he had his face set as though he would go to Jerusalem, the people of that city didn't receive him. And the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven like Elijah did? Yes, sir. And they used the biblical precedence of Elijah. 
And Jesus turns around and rebukes him. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives. He came to save them. Now, he's not rebuking them for having a demonic spirit. He's rebuking them for operating in an old covenant paradigm. Because the old covenant will tell you what your sin is, and the new covenant will tell you your righteousness. The old covenant prophet will speak to your problem, and a new covenant prophet will speak to your potential. An old covenant prophet will torment you, and a new covenant prophet will mentor you. Good. Come on, somebody. Good. I said an old covenant prophet will speak from a condemning standpoint, and a new covenant prophet will speak concerning your righteousness and how qualified you are. You know, under the old covenant, it was, you know, under the old covenant, if you touched somebody that was unclean, you became unclean by reason of their uncleanness. But in the new covenant, if somebody that's unclean touches something that's clean, it becomes clean. See, God turns it around. Ah, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Under the old covenant, a woman with an issue of blood, when she was walking around, she was supposed to, on the basis of the law, say, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And it was illegal for her to touch a man. According to the book of Leviticus, it was illegal. She was disqualified for touching a man. But in the New Testament, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I could be made whole. Come on, somebody. Under the old covenant, you were disqualified. But the moment she touched him, come on, she became clean by reason of his cleanness. Somebody said, well, you've got to be careful who lays hands on you that you don't receive their spirit. Well, if you're anointed, they need to be careful if they touch you because what's clean trumps. I said, what's clean trumps. What's unclean? Hallelujah. They, they better worry about touching me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My sister's writing a book right now uh, that she, she talks about every one of the things in the old covenant that disqualified you to be for priesthood, a flat nose, a, a club foot, a hunchback, a, a running sore, disqualified you from priesthood. But it's amazing to me that when Jesus comes on the scene, that's the exact people he goes to is the ones who are bent over and bowed to the earth. Uh, somebody who's crippled in their feet. Somebody, come on, who's got scurvy or palsy or somebody, come on somebody, that's got leprosy. And what was disqualified? under the old covenant is now qualified in the new covenant the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost you are qualified to eat his flesh and drink his blood you say you don't know what happened to me last night then you need to get to the table of the Lord and get more lamb in your belly and more blood come on drink of his life drink of his death because the more you get in his come on I'd rather have that than I would chemotherapy I believe you can get healed when you realize I'm qualified. I'm accepted in the beloved because Jesus is looking across the table at 12 men, all of which are going to deny him. Look at this. Verse number 21, John 13. When Jesus had thus said he was troubled in his spirit, testified, said, Very, very, I say to you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. I like that about John. He referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. See, that's how I feel about him today. I hope you feel like that when you leave here today. I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. God so... So, I hear him say that, added that word in the scripture. He said, so loved the world.
God is not mad at you. He is mad about you. He thinks you're to die for. I can't help but think of the woman in the Song of Solomon. She says, I'm a, the king began to pursue the Shulamite. The Shulamite girl in chapter 1 of the Song of Solomon. And she says, she says to the king, and she says to herself, I'm as black as the curtains of Kedar. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.